Welcome to this week's episode of the North Bible Church Podcast. Now, let's join our pastor as we open God's Word together. Thank you, guys. I don't know about you, but I could just worship the rest of the morning. But you guys are stuck listening to me. Hey, it's me, Brent. It's good to be here this morning. I am the student and young adult pastor here at North. So if you're new um, and you have a student, you're our student, and we've never met before, I'd love to touch base with you after the service. Or if you're a young adult out of high school into your 30-ish, okay? We have a wide range in our young adult, but um, I'm really excited to be able to preach again this morning. We're continuing from last week. If you weren't here, we're going to jump right in today. We're going to be in Galatians chapter 4, verses 21 to 31. If you weren't here last week, we're coming off of Paul addressing the, uh, the issue in the Galatian church, where these Christians, whether they were uh, Jewish Christians or Gentile Christians, have been infiltrated by Judaizers, and they've been teaching this message that your salvation is based on Jesus and adhering to the Old Testament law. And Paul's uh, reaction to this church that he loves so dearly and desperately is he's perplexed, he's exhausted, and he pleads with them, please don't go back to the law. Please don't go to something that's going to lead you into chains and slavery rather than living in the freedom that Jesus gives through his grace. And in order for you to understand kind of this message, um, I was thinking about my own life and the life I have with my four children. Three of them, well, four of them can talk, but the little one just says dada right now. So she said dada first, which yay for me. Um, But the reality is, is having kids in various ages, um, helping you understand what it's like living by the law as opposed to freedom in Christ. So I, am, I am, uh, have these five words ringing in my head constantly with my kids, and it is, look what I can do. Look what I can do. Parents, have your kids ever said that to you? And normally, okay, we got to participate, okay? Please just like, this, this, this is tough, okay? So parents, have your kids ever said that to you? Yes. Thank you. Okay. So you know what I'm talking about. All right. So for my five-year-old, it's, it's like, Hey dad, look what I can do. And literally the one time she just dropped a Cheerio in her mouth. And I'm like, what am I supposed to do with that? And then the other time she literally goes, Hey dad, look what I can do. And she goes, and I was like, these are basic life functions. This is her newest one. She says, dad, look what I can do. I can do a handstand and this is it. That's it. I'm not going to tell her yet. If you watch The Office, it's equivalent to Creed's perfect uh, cartwheel, but it's just not fully there yet. But the reality is, is my five-year-old, she's not doing it f- to please me. She's doing it because she wants me a part of her life. She's not trying to impress me. She just wants to show me and me to be a part of what she's learning and that aspect of her life. Now, it's d- interesting with my older kids, my 9 and 11-year-old, what I'm starting to see is there's something in them. I think within all of us, we want the attention and focus of our father, mother, whoever it is. We look for affirmation, but what has switched in my older kids now is they do something and they wait for my response to see if I'm pleased with them or not. And the reality is, is our relationship isn't based on that. They don't have to do things to impress me or please me. They are my child. And I love them based on who they are, not what they do. And that's the difference between the, uh, hanging your hat on the law or the freedom that you have a relationship with a father through Jesus Christ. A works-based salvation puts the emphasis on me or on you. So yes, if it's works-based, then you're going to be like, God, look what I can do. Christians, look what I can do. Look how holy I am. Look how righteous I am. But the reality is, is we're all, we all fall short. We 
all sin. When Jesus starts the Beatitudes, he says, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. Poor in spirit means you realize that you can't do anything to be in right standing with God. You can't do enough to say, look what I can do, look what I can do. Our place is in Christ and Jesus, and God says, you're my child based on if you're born again and have a relationship with Jesus, there's no pressure. You don't have to perform. So the Christians in the Galatian church are going back to this idea of look what I can do, God, look what I can do, God, rather than their place of being a child of God. Does that make sense? Yay, thank you. Okay, so what Paul does to help these uh, Christians understand, he goes back to the story in Genesis of God's redemption plan starting with a man named Abram or Abraham where God says I want you to leave your homeland and if you do that I'm going to bless those that bless you I'm going to curse those that curse you I'll be your God I'm going to make your name great and that promise continues but what ends up happening is Paul goes to these two kids that he has to two different women so and I'm going to get into this story but just to give you an overview is God makes a promise to Abram and he gives him his word. So when God says something, the best thing we can do is say, I trust you, God, I'm going to follow through in obedience. But what ends up happening is a decision is made in God's word that totally uh, puts a ripple effect on humanity and mankind. And that decision is based on the flesh. The decision is based on the flesh and not trusting God. And because of that, we still have issues going on in our world today because of a flesh-made decision. Flesh-made decisions do not just affect us, they affect our relationships, they affect our children, and can affect our children's children, and so on and so forth. The things that you struggle with, I'm sure you can pinpoint things that your parents struggled with, and I'm sure you can, they can pinpoint things that your grandparents struggled with, because when we live apart from God, there are repercussions for that. Okay, so I'm gonna pray, and then we're gonna get into uh, Galatians chapter four today. Uh, Lord, you, not me. Nobody wants to hear me this morning. Nobody came to hear me this morning. We came to hear you. So, Father, I pray, as I always do, in any context, that my words just go so far away from this place. Your words would sit and rest on our heart. God, it's your words that transform us. It's your words that change us to be more like Jesus through the power of your Spirit. So, God, as I, once again, as I always pray, when we walk out of here, help us to be changed people than the people that walked in this morning. Because God, what you can do in a 30-minute in a sermon, God, uh, we just trust that you're going to move this morning. Um, so Holy Spirit, have your way. We love you. And all God's people said, amen. So Galatians 4, 21 through 31, still it's in the same heartbeat that Paul was writing last week. This is just a continuation of it, and we're just going to walk through it real quick. He says, tell me, you who desire to be under the law, don't you listen to the law? For it is written that Abraham had two sons, one by a slave woman and one by a free woman, but the son of the slave was born according to the flesh, while the son of the free woman was born through promise. Now, this may be interpreted allegorically. These women are two covenants. One is from Mount Sinai, bearing children for slavery. She is Hagar, Hagar is Mount Sinai in Arabia. She corresponds to the present Jerusalem, for she is in slavery with her children, but the Jerusalem above is free, and she is our mother. For it is written, Rejoice, O barren one who does not bear. Break forth and cry aloud, you who are not in labor, for the children of the desolate one will be more than those of the one who has a husband. Now you brothers, like Isaac, are children of promise, but just as at that time, he who was born according to the flesh persecuted him who was born according to the spirit. So also it is now. But what does the scripture say? 
cast out the slave woman and her son, for the son of the slave woman shall not inherit with the son of the free woman. So brothers, we are not children of the slave, but of the free woman. Easy to understand, right? Cool, yeah. So we're just gonna, I just wanna unpack this, verse by verse, so you, this, there's not confusion as to what Paul is trying to say here. But remember, he's still addressing the issues of the church going back to living by the law. These 613 commands given to the, the nation of Israel, but those laws were never for righteousness sake. They were to show sin. So the fact that there's a, an emphasis on obeying them to show righteousness is missing the point. They're there to show that we're not per- they weren't perfect people. They couldn't abide by these laws. Okay, so he brings these two women into it, Abraham's wife Sarah and her maidservant Hagar, to show the conflict that started that still stands today in Paul's time and actually our time. Okay, Hagar's son Ishmael is the father of the Arab nations, and then Sarah's son Isaac is the father of Israel. And look who's uh, in conflict right now on the other side of the world. So as I said, decisions made in the flesh back then are still affecting us today. So they're turning away from salvation through faith in Jesus to salvation Jesus plus the law. And once again, I want you to understand this because this is uh, an important takeaway that the law says is about what you do for God. Grace says it's about what God did for you. The law says it's about my performance and grace says it's about Jesus's performance, okay? Law is about me, grace is about God. And here's the thing I want to address. This is a lot of redundancy, A lot of the things we've been talking about, even with Chad's teachings, it can seem redundant. And maybe you come in here like, okay, same song, same song, different dance, or or whatever it is. But I want to encourage you, never get bored of hearing the word of God. Never tune out the reality of God's message. Because maybe for you, um, this doesn't resonate so much, but maybe for the person next to you, this resonates a whole bunch and God's doing something in their life. But the reality is, is we are called to take up our cross daily. We need to be reminded of God's truth daily. We need to humble ourselves daily, and we need to seek the Lord moment by moment. So if this is redundant for you, good. Okay, we need to keep, you cannot get enough of God's truth in your life or God's message. And this is about being free or being in bondage. And if you had the choice, which would you rather be in? You did it. You did it. Do we have to answer now? Do you want a response? Okay. So, verse 21. Do you even know what you're getting yourself into? Paul basically questioned um, these these Christians, um, these uh, Gentile Christians. That's who he's addressing right now. Do you even know what you're getting yourself into? Do you even know the law? They would have had a small understanding based on Paul's teaching and based on the Judaizers' teaching. The Judaizers would have been teaching mostly out of Leviticus and Deuteronomy, which is the big chunk of those 613 commands. But Paul's questioning them like, you really don't even know the depth of understanding of what you're getting yourself into and the bondage that you'll truly be in. So that's why he goes to the story of Sarah and Hagar. Um, and the Jews believed, since they were descendants of Abraham, that they had a ticket to heaven already. And in reality, these Gentile Christians, um, the Jewish Christians weren't too okay with them because they didn't, what Paul was teaching is they didn't have to become Jews first to inherit salvation because it was through faith alone. So when Paul brings up these two women in verses 22 and 23, and let me read it again. For it is written that Abraham had two sons, one by a slave woman and one by a free woman. 
But the son of the slave was born according to the flesh, while the son of the free woman was born through promise. When you were a child, you identified with your mother's status in the ancient world. So the son of Hagar, Hagar was uh, Sarah's servant, a slave. So her son Ishmael was inherited being a slave. Sarah's son Isaac, Sarah was free, Abraham's wife. Isaac gets that um, lineage of freedom. So you identified with whatever your, mo- uh, your mother was. So in this story, way back in the book of Genesis, Abram leaves his hometown. He's 75 years old, and he goes and he trusts God. God tells Abraham, your sons are going to be, your, your children are going to be that, like the stars in the sky, the sands of the earth. And Abraham's like, I don't have any kids, okay? So if I don't have any kids, how is that going to happen? All right, well, God has plans, but what ends up happening is 75, about 10 years later, all right, he had to wait 25 years for this child of promise, by the way. So talk about uh, just what it means to be in the grind of trusting God on a daily basis and that God's timing is always perfect. Sarah steps into the equation and she's like, hey, we don't have a child yet. How are these promises gonna be carried out? What I think you should do is I think you should sleep with my servant Hagar, okay? And that way we can get this ball rolling on these promises type of thing. So Sarah, rather than trusting God, she inserts herself into God's plan and said, I want to do things my way. Okay, there's a lack of faith, there's a lack of trust, and there's a lack of understanding in God's perfect timing. Okay, so what ends up happening, because Abraham sleeps with Hagar, they have a child named Ishmael. And Ishmael was born in an ordinary way. Abraham's 86 at this time. Do we have any 86-year-olds in the room? 85? 80? 80? Okay, do you want to have another child right now? You good? He's good. Okay, so, but what's interesting is you look at, you look at this story, and 86, this is not a miraculous birth, all right? Obviously, they're older, young at heart, but the reality is this is not a miraculous birth based on uh, how things were back then. So this is an ordinary way, um, even though 86 is uh, not a spring chicken to have babies. Um, but this is Sarah and Abraham's way of taking matters into their own hands and living according to the flesh rather than trusting God. And the results, the ripple effect, still affects us to this day. Now, in God's sovereignty, he knew it was going to happen, but this is the flesh versus spirit. Are you going to trust God's word, or are you going to say, hey, God, let me help. Let me step in and help out. God knows better. God's ways are always good. In his, in his perspective, we see things from a street level. God th- sees things from a bird's eye view and eternally. So when God says a word or in his word, or God speaks to you, are you going to step in and try to help out? Because when we put our flesh into the equation, we have to deal with the repercussions of that flesh. And like I said, the battles that are still continuing based on this one decision, okay, thousands of years later, but in your life, I'm not sure if you've ever thought about this, but this is something my wife Brianna and I think about all the time, and we stay up late on the couch talking about it. What was passed down to us? What am I struggling with that I saw my parents struggle with or even my grandparents? And is, is that okay? Is, that, is, it, is it okay just because it's normal? Or am I in bondage to something because of the flesh that I can be free from when I turn to Jesus? So there's things that you go through every day that might just be par for the course for you, a normal thing in your life, but in reality, maybe you're in bondage to something 
that you've never really even thought about that that's been passed down generation to generation. And I'm telling you, like, it's worth putting the effort in to figure out what those are, to say, man, I really don't have to be in bondage to these things. It's gonna take work because it's a nurtured trait in you, but the reality is, is freedom is freedom and bondage is bondage. Which would you rather have, freedom or bondage? So Sarah, stepping in to help things along, um, in Genesis 17, we see the child that is born of a result of a promise, and that is the child that God had planned all along. Um, God appears to Abraham and says, I'm going to give you a child named Isaac, or name him Isaac, because Abraham laughed at God, being like, how is this real, I'm pretty old, uh, to have a child, uh, another child. Sarah laughs. Um, miraculous birth, Abram, Abraham is 100 years old and Sarah is 90. So that 14-year difference from 86 to 100 in Sarah's age, that gets the child of promise, and that is the miraculous birth, okay? Um, like I said, remember, the child shares the status with the mother, slave or free, okay? Um, the idea, what I want you to think of that I just touched on is what chains do you have that you carry with you every day? My, I love my wife so much, that goes without saying, but I said it anyway. But she has a motto that we've been, um, we've had since we started dating. Uh, May will be, we've been dating for 20 years, married for almost 14. But the reality is, is she had this mantra saying, I'm gonna break the chains. I'm gonna break the chains of my family. And she has absolutely done that. It's unbelievable to see, and it's interesting to see that when she has the freedom, if her mind, start, mind starts to go back a little bit to putting those chains together or shackle, that I'm able to be there and reminder of all the things we've talked about. But we believe that God is a chain breaker. There's a song about it, but I go back to encourage you and remind you that in order to go through those breaking of chains, sometimes you gotta get down in the mud of your life, and maybe that's not somewhere you've been in a while. Um, you might have to come to some harsh realities with yourself or even things that you've inherited. But once again, this is about living in freedom versus living in chains. And when we choose to live according to the flesh, we continue to add links to those chains. Does that make sense? So I would really encourage you as a takeaway today, invest in, in whether it's with your spouse, whatever it is, think about your life and what you've deemed as normal that might just be a thing that is holding you in bondage when Jesus is saying you can have complete freedom. 24 through 26. Now this may be interpreted allegorically. These women are two covenants. Okay, an allegory, I had to look this up. I just don't remember school stuff at all. But an allegory is a story with a, with a hidden meaning. Okay, so this gets into the allegory. Um, these women are two covenants. One is from Mount Sinai, bearing children for slavery. She is Hagar. Hagar is Mount Sinai in Arabia. She corresponds to the present Jerusalem, for she is in slavery with her children. But the Jerusalem above is free, and she is her, our mother. So two covenants to look at in this allegory. The first covenant Paul addresses is the covenant between God and Moses on Mount Sinai. Okay? This is when the Israelites get the Ten Commandments. God tells Moses to go down to the bottom of the mountain and tell the Israelites to get ready because I'm going to meet with them. So he says, have them change their clothes, shower, look all nice. So Moses goes down, and uh, God tells Moses, don't let anybody touch the mountain because it's, it's, I'm going to be there, and if they touch it, they're going to die. So th there's this whole situation where God comes down in a pillar of smoke, 
Um, there's lightning and thunder everywhere. And Moses goes up and he gets the Ten Commandments, which is the covenant of the law. Like, these are the laws you must obey. I'll be your God, you'll be my people. But what's interesting about this um, is that Ishmael is the child of the slave, and yet Isaac is the child of freedom, but yet this is about the Israelites inheriting the law on top of Mount Sinai. So what it's really addressing is the heart behind the why. So Ishmael represents the, the people that still hold true to the law for salvation. Though Isaac represents the covenant of God that leads to Jesus Christ, where there is freedom, okay? The Judaizers were teaching that the Gentile Christians could be under Abraham's covenant through circumcision, and that's their ticket to heaven. Paul calls them out that their promotion of their law tied to salvation or sanctification actually shows that they are slaves and therefore under this covenant made on Mount Sinai, the law, okay? And that behavior continued for the Jews to live under the yoke of the law, okay? And that's what Paul is seeing these Galatian Christians go to. So it's true, the Jews did come from Abraham and Isaac, but their behavior showed they were slaves under the law, placing them under Hagar rather than under Sarah. Being under Sarah leads to freedom because that is the covenant of Christ. Does that make sense? Because even as I'm saying it, I'm like, oh my goodness, this is so much, so much stuff. Okay, 24 through 26. There's, these women are two covenants. One is from Mount Sinai, bearing children for slavery. She is Hagar. Oh, I already read that. Okay, um, these two women represent two Jerusalems. There's an earthly Jerusalem, and there's a heavenly Jerusalem. The earthly Jerusalem that Paul is referring to right then is under the rule and slavery of Rome. That's who's in charge. So there's one way to be in bondage, and then the other way that Paul is addressing being in bondage under the earthly Jerusalem is that the, the, Jews are still, the, the Jewish Christians are still placing themselves under the law of Moses. So there's two ways to look at in their present reality how they are under um, the, the, the rule of Jerusalem, the earthly Jerusalem. Those under the heavenly Jerusalem are under Christ, under the freedom of Jesus. When Jesus taught freedom and he said, the truth shall set you free, the Jews and Judaizers didn't understand that because they were like, we're not enslaved to anybody. They couldn't even really look at their own situation to say you're under the oppression of Rome and then also you're under the slavery and the yoke of the law. So the heavenly Jerusalem is under Christ. That is the, the, the Jerusalem that Sarah represents. So when God told Abraham that all nations would be blessed through him, Fast forward to the lineage, a new covenant happened the moment Jesus Christ died on the cross for the forgiveness of mankind's sins. That that covenant, if you believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross for your sins and you understand that there's nothing you can do, there's not enough laws, there's not enough look at what I can do to put you in right standing with God and in your total depravity, you put your faith in Jesus for salvation but also you surrender to his lordship in your life, meaning he's in charge, then the promise is the blessing of the nations, you inherit that, that you will receive eternity with the Father. That is the freedom that is under the, the heavenly Jerusalem. And when Paul says she is our mother, he's putting himself and these Galatian Christians, even though they're struggling with wanting to go back to the law, saying she is our mother, because he hasn't lost hope that they're actually fully going to go back. He's still saying, hey, this is our promise. She, Sarah, is our mother, and because of that, we have the status of being free. So through one man, you get two completely different routes for humanity. 
one that is bound by slavery and, other th- and the other one that through faith has complete freedom, okay? So if you wanna take a picture of this, just for an easy cheat sheet, um, just so you can see what each child or each mother represents. Under Hagar, you have a slave child, Ishmael, a natural birth, okay, from the flesh, the old covenant, the earthly Jerusalem, um, because they're still under the law and under Rome. Um, it's, it's Judaism. Uh, many children, which we'll get to that part soon. They're, they're persecuting, which we'll get to that part soon. They inherit nothing because they're not under the promise of the new covenant, and their relationship with God is based on their keeping of the law. Sarah, that's for those in Christ. Free, Isaac was a child of promise. Um, it's under the new covenant, the covenant under Christ, the heavenly Jerusalem. It's Christianity, many more children. The Christians ended up uh, being more than um, the Jews on earth. Uh, persecuted, Paul is still being persecuted. They inherit every spiritual blessing, and their relationship is based on trusting God. So, verse 27, for it is written, rejoice, O barren, you who do not bear, break forth and shout. You who are not in labor, for the desolate has many more children than she who has a husband. This is a prophecy taken from the book of Isaiah 54, 1, talking about this situation. And it's interesting because it says, Rejoice, O barren one. In ancient times, if you were barren, there is no reason to rejoice. It brings great shame and disgrace upon you because in order for your survival, they didn't have retirement homes. So your your, your children were very important. It's your legacy, but then they also are there to take care of you as you get older. So what, what Paul does, he brings up this Isaiah 54 passage, um, and he, sorry, just totally lost my train of thought. Okay, this prophecy was a great comfort for the Jews that were part of the Babylonian exile, knowing that they had a greater future blessing awaiting them. Sarah was barren. She wasn't able to have kids until God intervened, and he blessed her with Isaac through his grace, not her works, okay? God's promise to bless Abraham Abraham and his descendants refers to the growing children of the Christian church for the believers, and it's still growing, okay? Um, back then, the Jews were not happy that the, the Christian population was growing larger um, than the Jewish population, okay? So rather than praising God that they had a part to play in any of this, they're stuck in bondage and um, anger, um, towards, towards the Christians. Okay, now brothers like Isaac are children of promise. Now you brothers like Isaac are children of promise. So Paul um, calls them brothers, reminding them that they're family with him. He still views them as family because like I said, he's still holding on to hope. He's not giving the up on them. He's perplexed, he's exhausted from this, but he's still holding on to hope. And he says, brothers, we are the same. We are children of promise. Okay, Isaac's birth was a miracle of God, and we are miracles of God, because in John chapter 3, Jesus tells Nicodemus this phrase, born again, that we can have new life in Christ. We can have new life in Christ when we deny ourselves, humble ourselves, and receive the grace, mercy, and forgiveness that we can't earn, but are gifted from Jesus Christ. Okay, so he's saying, we are children of promise. You are free. But what does freedom actually mean for us in Jesus Christ. Well, we're not dependent on any of our actions. We're not dependent on any aspect of performance in our life. If we perform and we live life according to God's word, it's a response of who Jesus is in our life. 
It's an act of worship. It's an act of praise. It's not to earn God's favor or merit. We are children of God. We are born into God's family, okay? So true Christianity is putting your faith in Jesus and proclaiming him as your Lord and Savior and submitting to his lordship and allowing him to change us from the inside out, okay? Going back to the, if this is redundant for you, at what point, if you keep hearing the same thing over and over again, or is it transforming you to be more like Jesus, okay? You are children of the promise, and with that, you have all the rights that come with that. You have God's love, his grace, his mercy, and the inheritance of heaven, and it, depend, it is not dependent on our performance or our works. When God told Abraham, all peoples on earth will be blessed by you, this is what he means. This is that blessing that we get to partake in. Verse 29, at that time, the son born in the ordinary way persecuted the son born by the power of the Spirit. It's the same now. So Paul goes back to this ancient text and reminds them, hey, what happened in this story is still happening today. In just Genesis 21, it's a very short story. Genesis 21, Ishmael's a teenager, Isaac's a toddler, and it says that Ishmael looks at uh, Isaac and he laughs. So he looked at him with contention, whatever, however he looked at him, Sarah goes to Abraham and says, I want them out. I don't want them here anymore, okay? And that ends up happening. And this battle, this, this, this tension between the two was continuing as Paul wrote this, okay? Um, he was at odds with the Jewish culture. They were looking at him with content. And it's still an issue to this day as we see what's going on around the world, okay? For Paul, um, the Judaizers and those practicing Judaism, they saw Paul as an enemy and wanted him dead, okay? But what does the scripture say in verse 30? Cast out the slave woman and her son, for the son of the slave woman shall not inherit with the son of the free woman. So Sarah tells Abraham, I want Hagar and Ishmael kicked out, okay? So now Paul gets to the application of what this means to those under the law or who are under Christ. Ishmael and Isaac couldn't coexist together to inherit the inheritance that Abraham had for them. Those under the law and those under freedom do not inherit the same destination. They don't inherit the same destination. And the dividing factor is a relationship with Jesus Christ. It's works or grace alone. It's works or grace alone. They don't, they can't mix together, okay? Um, if they, it's, it's the same for Jew, Jews, Gentiles, Jewish Christians, Gentile Christians, whatever. If they don't believe that who Jesus is, you reject the inheritance. It doesn't matter who it is. Reject the true gospel, salvation by faith alone. You put yourself in the class of Ishmael, and you get kicked out and do not get to receive the inheritance of God's blessing or eternity with the Father. So the Gentiles born under Ishmael can be free, and the Jews born under Isaac can be in bondage, and the deciding factor is whether or not you choose to engage in uh, your faith in Jesus Christ, okay? So the legalists, or what Paul is addressing, are cast out like Ishmael and Hagar, and Gentile believers, grace alone, are with Isaac and inherit the blessing of freedom. So 31, Paul ties a nice little bow on this, and he says, so, because I've said this, we are not children of the slave, but of the free woman. Because I've explained everything, you need to understand you are a child of the, slave, of the free woman. And he says, we putting them in the same category as children of God, children of freedom. And for you, 
can you, can you say this yourself, that I am part of this family. I am a child of freedom. As a child of God, do you ever find, and I think it's, I think it's normal to kind of go through those motions where you have moments of weakness where you, you, you just feel like you have to do something to impress God, or that God's favor is resting on you and your efforts. Like maybe you haven't cracked your Bible in a, long, in a while, uh, maybe you've just been living for yourself, and all of a sudden you feel this tension between you and God, and then you feel if like you read, you open your Bible and you read like five chapters even though you don't even have a clue what you just read, you just feel like you need to do something to get right with God, but in reality, that's going back to the law. That's living based on the law rather than just understanding your place in Christ. That being born again, you are a child of God. You don't have to jump through hoops to earn God's favor. You just stand on the word of God. Stand on the word of God. Trust in his word. Trust in his promises. Because if you don't stand on the word of God, then you're going to try to step in and help out. And we saw what happened with Sarah when that, when that happened. And because of that, like I said, we are still continuing to live in bondage in aspects of our life. And I know I've experienced freedom from certain things in my life. They still come creeping back in. Like, I, um, I, I struggle with anger. I do. I've struggled with it for a long time. I, I know my dad did. We've had amazing conversations about it. And now I see my son Brooks starting with it. So it's something that I continue to have to go back to God and break those chains in my life. But there's times where I just go back to living by the flesh. And I'm just like, no, I can handle this. It's not that big of a deal, but it is because it's affecting my present. It's affecting my child's present. It's going to affect our future together. The repercussions of what it is to live in bondage versus freedom are astronomical. And it's just a decision to say, I'm going to do things my way or I'm going to do things God's way. God's ways are always good. God's ways are always perfect. John 8, 36, 37a says, So if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. You will be free indeed. If you want freedom, it's found in Jesus. If you want to be a slave, keep, keep looking to yourself. Keep going back to yourself. So well, my favorite verse is Romans 12, 2. It says, don't conform to the patterns of this world, okay? Or don't live according to the flesh is another way I like to think about it. Don't, don't focus on that, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And the Spirit, living by the Spirit, is the one that renews my mind in Christ Jesus through his word. And if I do that, then I will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, his pleasing, and his perfect will. Good, pleasing, and perfect will. Those words don't come out when I'm living for myself. Things aren't good. I'm not pleased with anything, especially myself, and I'm far from perfect. So this, this freedom that God wants us to have is only found in Jesus. And I know that's, that's like, yeah, of course you say that, you're in church. But take it from the text, the ancient text that has stood the test of time, and how you see that it living according to the flesh, or being trapped in the law, the repercussions of that. So yes, this might we might be in a little bit of redundancy, but when we're talking about freedom, let's just keep talking about it until we start to live in it and allow God to be the center, the focus, the everything that we need, and not in a way that we need to say, hey God, look what I can do, but just to say, God, I'm, thank you so much that I get to be your child. And it's not, your love for me is not based on if I can do this, uh, but it's just by being your child. 
Okay, so if you want free, if you need prayer, we're gonna have prayer partners. If you need, uh, we also have prayer cards in the back. If you just are going through things of like, man, I, I realize this is what my bondage is. L- let us pray for you throughout the week. We meet as a staff every Monday so we can pray for you. But um, who the sun sets free is truly free indeed. But if you need to get in the mud and work that stuff out, man, take it to God. Let, let him bring those things up. But man, there's nothing better than freedom. Let's pray. God, I thank you for the freedom that I've gotten to experience in my own life. And Father, even to the point that um, I've, I've come so far in certain aspects that I know when I start to go back. So Lord, thank you for doing a good work um, in me and my family and my wife. And um, Father, thank you that we are children of the promise that is based in Jesus Christ, not on law, not on works, um, but God, we have your favor based on who we are in Christ. And um, God, that's so freeing. Thank you that the pressure is not on us. And Lord, I pray for the church today um, that they would experience freedom in their own lives. And God, even if they have to crack doors open that have cobwebs, um, and maybe they haven't been in that place mentally for a long time, Lord, grant them peace knowing it's worth it, that we can live as children of promise. Um, from performance, but also um, flesh-made decisions. God, that there's, there's earthly repercussions, but God, um, we can still uh, move in the right direction to remedy um, a lot of those for our sake and for our, our kids' sake and for the future generations of our lineage, God. So thank you for freedom that is found in Jesus, and thank you for working with us to help us to be free um, from the flesh-made decisions we, we end up making. But um, God, you're so good your name we pray all God's people said in just a moment we'll rejoin our pastor for today's closing thoughts but first we wanted to thank you for tuning in North Bible Church is located in Scottsdale Arizona and exists to equip all generations to love God love one another and love the world for more information about North please visit our website at northbiblechurch.com now some closing thoughts from our pastor. So uh, a disciple is somebody who hears the Word of God, obeys the Word of God, and shares the Word of God. So you've heard the Word of God this morning. What do you need to obey? If, if nothing stood out, spend some time with God and just go through the passage again and say, God, what do, I, what do I need to obey that I've been missing? And then who can you share this truth with? Okay, I still believe the harvest is many, but the workers are few. And Christ in you is the hope of glory. So as you leave today, wherever you go, whatever you do, always and in all ways shine the light of Jesus. Let him work through you. So if you go to lunch today, I would encourage you, just ask your waiter or waitress, hey, anything going on in your life I can pray for you for? If you're in a rut, I always say, the best things you can do is serve somebody. Put somebody's needs above your own. But we love you guys. Prayer partners are over here. If you need prayer, write one down. Um, Drop it in the box. We'll be praying for you. But live free. Don't be bound in chains today, all because of Jesus Christ. Amen. We love you guys. We'll see you next week. Thank you for joining us for this week's message. North Bible Church is located in Scottsdale, Arizona and exists to equip all generations to love God, love one another, and love the world. For more information about North, please visit our website 
at northbiblechurch.com.